Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Grab your Bibles tonight. Actually, I'm going to go a little bit out of order tonight, brother. I'm going to go to the book of Jonah first. Brother Owens, before I forget, we got to have a board meeting of about five minutes right after church tonight. I haven't got you yet. Uh, Jonah chapter number three. Praise God. Jonah chapter number three. read uh, verse number 10 of chapter 3 and then we'll, we'll read the rest or read the entirety of chapter number 4. Jonah chapter 3 verse number 10 and God saw their works and that they turned from their evil evil way and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them and he did it not. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before, un, before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil." Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. <clears throat> then said the Lord, doest thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered. It came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement, vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished it himself in himself to die and said it is better for me to die than to live and God said to Jonah doest thou well to be angry for the gourd and he said I do well to be angry even unto death then said the Lord thou hast had pity on the gourd for the which thou hast not labored neither madest it grow which came up in a night and perished in a night and should not I spare Nineveh, that great city wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? I want to read, uh, before we go any further, in Genesis chapter 12, beginning with verse number 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, 
from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and I will curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. Lot went with him and Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. Praise God. I want to preach tonight from this title. A covenant with your calling. A covenant with your calling. Praise God. Would you put your Bibles down? Let's lift up our hands to the Lord and let's love him right now. Can we extend our voice and lift our spirit to him? Lord, we love you tonight. Hallelujah. Lord, give us ears to hear what you would say to us tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. In the name of Jesus Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's clap our hands to the Lord and praise him right now. Bless the name of Jesus tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. You may be seated tonight. Praise God, thank you. I'll kind of uh, make a few twists and turns getting to what... uh, the ultimate point of what I feel like the Lord is, not what I feel like, what the Lord is saying to us tonight. Early on in the book of Genesis, we see how God began to establish covenant with mankind, an agreement. Some covenants were conditional. Some covenants were unconditional. Uh, For example, an unconditional covenant that God made with man was after the flood of Noah. We see the rainbow in the sky, and he says, this is for a token of my everlasting covenant. I forget exactly how it says it, the covenant that he will no more destroy the earth with water. There is nothing that will transpire that will cause God to break that covenant with man, it will never happen again. Uh, he will not destroy the earth with water. That was the last time, first and last time. And uh, there are there are conditional covenants throughout Scripture, throughout the Old Testament. Uh, many conditional covenants. God would, would speak to man and say, "If you will do this," when He's talking to His to the children of Israel before they come into the land of Israel, if if you will if you will hear my voice and listen to my commandments. Then, then I basically, many times he said, I'll, there will be protection and, and I will keep your enemies from coming in. And so there are covenants that God made uh, with mankind. And uh, he begins to call, he begins to call Abram out of Ur, the Chaldees. And he says, I, I, I want you to go to a land, a geographical location. I'm calling you to a place. He did not give uh, Abram a choice as to where the promises of God would be made true in his life. He told him, I'm, I'm gonna, I want you to get out of where you are now. I want you to leave your home 
and I'm going to show you the place where you are to go. This happened again after Isaac is born. He says, I want you to take your son, your only son, and I want you to leave in the morning and go to a mountain that I will show you. There is a specific geographical location that I want you to go to for this to be carried out. There is a specific geographical location where where Jacob lays his head down at night. He sees the angels of God ascending and descending. And he gets up. He says, I, I didn't know the presence of the Lord was here. It was here and I didn't know it. This is none other than the house of God and the gate of heaven. It's later on in his life that the Lord says, I want you to go back to Bethel, to that place, that geographical location. And it's back at Bethel that he has an encounter with God and no longer is it Bethel, but it is then renamed as El Bethel, which is the God of the house of God. Time and again, God uses geographical locations for specific purpose. And, and we see it time and again through scripture. There, there, uh, 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 the apostle Paul, uh, I, I, off the top of my head, I don't have it in my notes here. I believe it's in at the end of Corinthians. He says, I will remain at Ephesus until Pentecost because there is an open door and effectual and there are many adversaries. adversaries. God has me here for, at a certain place until a certain time. The will of God takes people to geographical locations the will of God gets very specific. The will of God, uh, uh, when God calls somebody, let me tell you what the will of God does not have. The will of God does not have options. God has never called somebody and, 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 and said, you know what, I'm calling you to a specific ministry. I have a work for you to do. But where would you like to go so that I may accommodate and make your, where, where would you like to go? You know, uh, today I was sitting at lunch. You know what, I've got a, I just happen to have a burden for, for, uh, for Bora Bora. You know, I mean, somebody's got to go there and preach the gospel. Tahiti needs a church. God didn't give me the option of going where I wanted to go. That's not the will of God. You see, he died on Calvary. He's got uh, nail prints in his hands and nail prints in his feet and he's got, a, he's got a hole in his side. He has scarring around his head where the crown of thorns where the Bible says he was marred more than any other man. He took a cat of nine tails to his back. He paid the price for all salvation for all of humanity that would receive him. The Bible tells us to endure hardness as a good soldier. You know what soldiers do once they, once they leave basic training? They receive orders. And they are sent to a specific geographical location. 
only, only, and, and, and I say only, this probably extends into each branch of the military, but uh, just uh, indulge for, uh, for a moment, is, is the, the highest and the smartest, the smartest uh, uh, pilots that, that enter the Air Force and that want to fly the most sophisticated planes. They are the, probably the only ones in the Air Force that have an actual shot at getting to fly what they want to fly, but it's not guaranteed. They can go through all of their flight training, spend years getting their degree, and then the government says, you're going to fly this, and you're going to be stationed there. And when they took the oath to protect the Constitution of the United States, they surrendered their rights to say, this is where I want to go. They are a soldier. They, are, they receive orders. And they are sent and stationed at a specific geographical location. It doesn't matter how they feel about it. God calls Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees. He calls him out of his home. And he begins to lead him somewhere because he's got a plan for him. But what outweighed the Ur of the Chaldees was the fact that the God of heaven wanted to enter into covenant relationship with him. Let me tell you, the plan of God is worth leaving every comfort zone because while there may be initial discomfort in entering into the destiny that God has for you, if you will stay faithful to God, there are blessings that outweigh, that outweigh every sacrifice, that way outweigh every separation, that outweighs everything of where you came from. Let me tell you that, that God is, God has blessings for his people. I'm not going to tell you life is going to be perfect all the time. It's, 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 there, there's, there, there's no, perfection in where we are right now there's going to be hardships but I can live in the blessing and the favor of God can be on me when I follow the will of God and I do what he wants me to do and I go where he wants me to go Really, the, the story of Jonah that we read here just a moment ago I, I chose to in our reading tonight to read that final chapter most of us in the room know what happened uh, uh, to Jonah, but God calls Jonah to the city of Nineveh. It was a Gentile city. This was rare in the Bible, rare in the Old Testament, when God would send one of his men, his people, to a Gentile city, a city of 120,000 people. God calls Jonah and says, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach the word of the Lord to them. He says, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. God didn't have to do this. You see, this, this is one of those rare examples in the Old Testament where it seems like God was ahead of his own timing. Jesus even said, I am but I'm sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But Jonah knew God well enough in his own confession. I knew that you are a merciful God. You are full of grace. You are gracious and full of mercy. And you are full of kindness. 
We don't know a whole, whole, whole lot about Jonah, but we do know that Jonah knew the characteristics of his God. And Jonah goes, uh, his immediate response is to run from from the call of God to go to Nineveh, which is a geographical location. The call of God was taking him there, but he didn't want to go there. So instead, he goes to the port city of Joppa and and he boards a ship on its way to Tarshish, which is the opposite direction. And in the midst of that voyage, the, 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 the storm comes upon the ocean and, and all of those on the boat know that they are going to die. They're trying to figure out why uh, 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 the, the, the storm is as bad as it is and, and as they go through their paces Jonah finally admits I am a Hebrew and I'm running from the Lord God told me to go somewhere but I chose to run the other direction this is one of those stories in scripture one of those examples that tells us implicitly if you run from God it never ends well when God has sent you in a specific direction, when God has a call on your life and a purpose for your life, when God has begun to speak to you and say, I need you to go here, you'd better listen to the voice of God. It's never good to ignore the voice of God and go the opposite direction. It's never good to try to find a way out of the will of God in your life. No, God, God won't force your hand. But it's, 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 not gonna, it's not gonna end well when we try to do our own thing. But rather than going to the place that God had sent him to go, he get, goes to Joppa, gets on a ship, tries to go to Tarshish, and, and they're about to lose their lives. And he tells those men, take me and throw me overboard and you will live. And so reluctantly after they tried to avoid it the first time, they realize they have no other hope, so they throw him overboard. And the Bible says that the, the sea became calm. But God had prepared a great fish for Jonah. And he spent three days and three nights in the belly of that whale, that great fish. And when he changes his tune, the fish vomits him up on dry land and he goes to Nineveh. Now this story is one that is intriguing to me because it doesn't seem to have really any resolve. And it's one of those stories that I specifically read that fourth chapter because when you read other minor prophets, the books of the minor prophets, you know, they all have their own characteristics and they all have their specific passages that stand out. But this particular minor prophet, it doesn't seem like it really has any resolve. Once you get to the end of the story, God forgives them and he spares 120,000 people. Jonah must have been very gifted and the anointing of the Holy Ghost was upon him because he goes to that city and he cries against the city for their wickedness. Now Nineveh uh, was known to be a very violent city. He probably feared for his life, but also as a Hebrew, he didn't want to go preach to Gentiles. He didn't want to do it. There were numerous reasons why he didn't want to go to Nineveh. 
He never came into agreement with where God sent him. There, 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 there's this disconnect in the life of Jonah to where even though he went to Nineveh, there was something within him and he went through the mechanical, he, he, he obeyed God mechanically. He did what he was supposed to do and he preaches against the sin of the city and they turn from their sin and, they, and God spares the city of Nineveh. A 120,000 soul revival. They put on sackcloth and ashes and they repent for their sin. They heard the man of God. But in this we see the human nature, the humanity, the, the human element of a prophet as he never wanted to go there. And he never got over the fact that God sent him there and he never came into agreement with where God sent him. What I'm preaching tonight is there has got to be a covenant with your calling. The city of Springfield needs people who have come into agreement with where we are. Now, right down where we're living, I know that we live in a state that the taxes are high and they're probably getting higher. The liberal policies are liberal and they're probably going to push the boundaries. We can go down the list of things in our state, of, of things that we dislike, but I have come to, to this realization. I heard another man say this and how true it is. We are living at a place at a time. We've got to either choose outrage or outreach. There cannot be both. They cannot coexist. If you choose outrage, you're going to alienate somebody that disagrees with you. But God is looking for a people that, that, that can say, God, it was not an accident that you put me here. I am not here by happenstance. I know I grew up here. I know I could look at my life and just say, for whatever reason, I just happen to be here. I, I th This is my story. I don't feel the call of God on my life for being here. No, 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 no. Let me tell you that God has placed us here for such a time as this. Springfield deserves a city. Uh, Springfield deserves a people in this city that can say instead of instead of being enraged with all of the elements that, that rub us the wrong way or all the things that we don't like or all of the negative elements that I could choose to hyper-focus on. Rather than that, I've got to change my mindset and I've got to come into a covenant relationship with my calling. I've got to come into agreement with where God has sent me to a specific geographical location. God did not ask my opinion when he called me here. He did not ask me to accommodate my wants and my needs and my comfort, but rather God chose for me a specific assignment. Let me tell you tonight that it may be easier other places to plant a church and to grow a church and to see revival. We may be able to look at other 
other locations in the United States of America and say, well, if I was here, 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 it would be easier for this or that reason. Let me tell you that we may have been handed a difficult assignment, but God has entrusted us with a difficult assignment for a reason, and that is he called you here on purpose, and I've got to surrender to the call of God, even to the geographical location that he has called me to. Would you lift up your hands for one for a moment right now and just tell him, God, I surrender to where you have brought me in the name of Jesus. God, I'm not going to fight against you, but God, I know that you have brought me here for a reason. Hallelujah. It's possible to still preach the gospel and still be a runner. Jonah never got that running spirit out of him. He, he, even though he submitted, he said, okay, God, I'll do it. But when he gets to Nineveh, he's still got a bad and an ugly spirit. He just witnesses 120,000 people. Their life gets spared, but he's got a nasty attitude about it. He wanted to see the judgment of God come upon them. He, he, but, but there's something, it's, it's like he went to Nineveh and did what God told him to do, but he was angry about it. He was fussing within himself about it because out of his own mouth, he says, God, I knew that you were gracious and you were kind and you were merciful. I knew that you were going to repent of the evil that you had thought of them. I knew you were going to turn around and you were going to save them. And here he is fussing with God on the outskirts of the city because God showed them grace and God was merciful towards them he never came into agreement with the calling of God that was on his life and because of that when you read the end of the story it just ends with this dialogue between God and Jonah where Jonah's just fussing it, it, it doesn't end it doesn't really have a happy ending. It has him arguing with God over the elements of his life as he's sitting on the outskirts of the city. And that's it. What could Jonah have done? Maybe God would have called Jonah somewhere else if he could have entrusted him, gifted. He, he, he must have had some type of ability. He must have been uh, of such, he, he knew of the attributes of God, the graciousness and the kindness of God. And God sends him there because the call of God was on his life. Let me tell you that everybody in this room, everybody a part of this congregation, you are not here by accident. You are not here just by happenstance. There's got to be something that registers within our spirit that says, God, you have called me to this city and it was on purpose and I received the calling of God for this city. God, forgive me if I've been negative against my assignment. God, forgive me if I've talked negatively about the geographical location that you have sent me. God, forgive me if I have talked negatively about the city that you have called me to. God, I want to come into agreement. God, I want to come into covenant with the calling that you have on my life. God has called us here for a specific purpose. He has called us here for a reason. God didn't call somebody else here. He called you here. 
It, it, yeah, yeah. It, it, we can fall into the trap of, of saying the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, of looking somewhere else and say, well, I bet it's easier over there. I bet, I, I, I bet it's happening over there because it's easy because of this reason or that reason. I bet so-and-so is over there and they don't struggle with what I'm struggling with because I'm here and if I can just get out of here and then I can get over there, it would be easier. No, there's got to come a place where we sever ties with every, every desire in our heart to be anywhere else than exactly where God put us that exactly where he commissioned us that exactly where he assigned me and Jonah never got to that place he still had running in his heart he still was fussing with God in his heart about where he was and he never came into agreement with the will of God in his life the place that God had sent him to God sent you here for a specific place purpose because he wants to use you here. Yes, yes, you could you could pack your stuff and go somewhere else, but there wouldn't be the flow of the Holy Ghost somewhere else like there will be right where God has designed for you to be. All of my family seems like works out for them to go south. That's the way I feel about it. But God called me to a place that I would not have if, if I could put a pin on a map. But God didn't ask me my opinion. And I can fuss with God if I wanted to. Well, God, why? Well, God, why? And I have caught myself in the past saying negative things about the state of Illinois or about the city of Springfield, or about this issue, or about that issue. And it seems like, as, as the, the climate of our nation being what it is right now, there's, it seems like there's other, sometimes it seems like there may be other places where it would be easier. It looks like the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. But the only way to solve that problem is to start watering the grass right where I'm standing. And this is not just a me thing. This is, is this is who God has called us to be. The state of Illinois, there's, there's a lot of policies that are anti-God and anti-Bible. And there's a climate in this, in this state that is against the word of God more than other states are. Yes, it is a difficult assignment. But God has entrusted us with being right where we are in the capital city of this state. I can't prove this off the top of my head, but I, I, they're, they're, I don't know of any other oneness apostolic churches that are located as close to the capital of the, uh, 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 the capital building of the state and they are any closer than we are. God has given us a specific assignment. It is not an accident where God has placed us. God has done it all on purpose. I've just got to come completely into agreement. I've, I've got to come completely into covenant with the vision and with the calling and with the burden of the Lord for this city. God has called us. God has called us to this city, but it's up to us to come into covenant relationship with the calling that he has given us. We can have a calling on our life, but just like Jonah, we can still fuss with God underneath the surface. That's something I've got to settle. 
make me settle that. He will not force my will, but he will give me an opportunity. He will give me an assignment. I've watched, I've got friends, I, I, I've grown up in this all my life. I know of certain circumstances and certain situations of people I've been acquainted with. Happens all the time. God will call somebody somewhere and then when they get there, it's not what they expected. And I want to ask them, okay, did God mess up? Did, did God mess up? You, you tell me, did God, did, did God make a mistake when he called you or do you not know the voice of God whatsoever? There, there does come a point where I've got to settle it. God, you called me here. You will not have peace in your spirit about the will of God until you die to yourself and say, not my will, but thy will be done. There's got to be a, an agreement, a coming together, a partnership, a covenant with your calling to where your will completely dies and you say, God, I care about nothing else other than your will being accomplished in my life. Genesis chapter number 15 and verse number 18. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying unto thy seed, have I given this and from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. He made a covenant with him. The covenant relationship that God had with Abram was more valuable than his particular choice in geographical location. Over and over and over again in the New Testament, throughout the Word of God, we see not only an allegory, but even in the New Testament, that we are soldiers of the cross. That we are soldiers of this mighty army of the people of God. I've got to make up in my mind if I'm going to be a whiny baby soldier and cry and suck my thumb because it's too difficult and it's too hard. And this is, God, this isn't what I expected. And God will, God will not change his mind and change his will just because I boohoo and I fuss with him. The storm arose on the sea that day and Jonah was greatly distressed and the men on the boat were going to lose their lives. But even though the men on the boat that were with Jonah were about to die, God did not change his will. He did not change where, God had, where he had called Jonah. It was about to affect other people. His rebellion against the, the, the plan of God was about to take the life of other men that had nothing to do with his rejection of the plan of God. I 
I've got to settle the fact that my obedience to the will of God and and whether or not I come into agreement with the calling of God is not going to just affect me. It's going to affect all those closest around me. And Jonah, he finally... In some regards, he, 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 he gets it right to a certain degree and goes to where God tells him to go. And God does what only God can do. He turns the hearts of the people and they repent. He uses a man that was flawed, that, was, that had a bad attitude, Here we see the human element of a man called of God, a prophet, a prophet of God. He had an attitude problem. God still used him. But he never conquered his inward problem. And when you finish the story, it's just a bunch of fussing with God. That can be the end of the story. Or one can come into covenant relationship with the call and the voice of God. And when you get to the end of the story of Abraham, you don't see somebody just fussing with God because he was willing to relinquish his familiarity with the Ur of the Chaldees to go to a land that he didn't even know where God was taking him said, I'm going to give you something, but you're going to have to leave all the comforts of home. You're going to have to leave the comforts of where you've been. He lived 75 years. The old dog was going to have to learn new tricks. He had solidified a lot of stuff in his life, and God in the a, at the age of 75 says, I've got something new for you, but you're going to have to cut loose of all that stuff. And if you'll follow me, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. We're going to come into covenant relationship together. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless them that bless you. And I'm going to curse them that curse you. I'm going to be on your side. I'm going to make your descendants like the stars of the heaven and like the sands of the sea. I'm going to bless you beyond what you could ever imagine. That's what's waiting on somebody who can cut loose of, of, of being, of, of, of struggling with the geographical location of where God has sent them but you've got to come into covenant with your calling there is a spirit that is going to come over us as a congregation that's going to completely relinquish any bit of pushback that we've had with God even the slightest little piece of our heart that says, God, I'd rather be somebody, somewhere else. And our spirit instead is going to say, God, I would rather be nowhere else than where you have called me. And when that happens, then and only then can the will of God be done and the end of the story be a story of blessing and favor on the people of God. I want to read a passage of scripture, the book of Ruth, chapter number one. 
read a few verses. This, it's, it's a beautiful story. One of the most beautiful stories in the Word of God. I was just going to read a few verses, but the, the, this story, it, uh, it, the, the, the emotion and the, the beauty of this story, it, it just it captures my attention says in Ruth chap, chapter number one, verse number one, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land and a certain man uh, of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the name of his sons, two sons were Malon and, and Chilion, uh, if, if Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah, and they came into the country of Moab and continued there. Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of one was Orpah and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelled there about 10 years, and Malon and Chilion died, also both of them. And the women, and the woman was left of her two sons, and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in, the giving, in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each, of, each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. They said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have an husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have an husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they were grown? Would ye stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it, is, it, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. And they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whether thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee 
and me. In that moment, Ruth made a decision. She could have left because her husband was dead and, and she could have gone back to her land and she could have found another man to marry and lived her life. But she instead cling, uh, 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 she clung to her mother-in-law, Naomi, and she said, wherever you go, I'm going to go. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. Where you die, I will die. She came in, in, into a covenant relationship of sorts with her mother-in-law and said, I'm going to serve your God. I'm going to be loyal to you. You got to understand she was from the land of Moab. She goes back to the land of Bethlehem, Judah to God's people and she serves the Lord and the end of her story is that she marries what who is the kinsman redeemer Boaz who is a man that is very wealthy who owns the fields and the end of the story is one of the most beautiful stories that you will read in the word of God her loyalty to, to her mother-in-law her decision to go where God would have her go not seeking her own desire not seeking her own will but saying I will go with you your God will be my God I'll go to a strange place I don't know your God but I will serve your God I, I, I don't know a lot about Bethlehem Judah but when I get there I will serve your God I will die where you die she came into agreement with someone from the land of Bethlehem, Judah. She didn't return to her, to her land where they were serving other gods. She didn't return to her land where they were, where they were, where she could do what she wanted to do. She made up in her mind, if I never, if I never marry again, that this woman in my life will have my loyalty. And I'm going to serve her God. And I'm going to be a part of her people. I'm going to take on the identity of who she is. I'm going to cling to her. The Bible talks about how during the barley harvest, which was the poor man's food during that time, they, they were of the lowest of the low of people. They were at the low end of the totem pole in society. What they did is they went and gathered the barley they gleaned in the field. What that meant is, according to the law of Moses, when they gathered the, the, when they reaped the harvest, while they were reaping the harvest, if they accidentally dropped some of the harvest on the ground, they were commanded to leave it there for the poor folks. This was called gleaning in the field. That meant that even, even the poorest of society, if they didn't own a field, if they didn't have the money to go buy the food, they, 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 they would go at the time of harvest after the, the owners of the field would reap the harvest. When the, when the reaper of the harvest would accidentally drop some barley on the ground or would drop some wheat on the ground or whatever it is they were harvesting, when it would drop on the ground, they were commanded by the law of Moses to leave it there for somebody to come glean. And so the Bible talks about how Ruth would go and glean in the field she was just getting all that she she was scraping by she was scraping by but there was a man named Boaz that saw her and he began to command his servants to leave some for her 
he began to command his servants, oh, see her? Leave a little extra for her. And then they're, they're, a, a relationship develops. And he wants to marry her and he brings her in and he marries, the end of the story is Boaz marries Ruth. And instead of gleaning in the field as being one of the poorest of society, now she owns the field. This is what happens. Oh man, I feel, I feel the Holy Ghost in here right now. This is what happens when you come into agreement with the will and the calling of God. Man, I feel angels so powerfully here right now. God is trying to talk to us. God wants us to come into agreement with his will, but you cannot come into complete agreement until you drop everything of where you could go, of what is familiar and what is easier, and you cling with all of your your loyalty to somebody, to, to, to somebody representing the will of God, to re representing Bethlehem Judah, the house of bread, the place of the people of God. She represents the will of God for her life that caused her to say, you know what, if I never marry again, I'm going to follow that woman and I'm going to serve her God. Her God will be my God. Her people will be my people. Where she goes, I will go. Where she lodges, I will lodge. Where she dies, I will die. There was an undying loyalty that came over Ruth and she she clung to her mother-in-law and says whatever her future is is my future I'm telling you it took something there was something that God saw in Ruth who, who according to her ancestry did not deserve to be in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ she was a Moabite woman who didn't according to according to the word of God and the plan of God originally deserve to be in the lineage of Jesus but because she abandoned where she came from and she said Naomi I'm going to follow you I'm going to be loyal to you I'm going to abandon where I came from I'm going to abandon my own hopes and dreams for my future and I'm going to cling to the will of God no matter where it takes me I'm telling you that you're going to go when you do that you can go from gleaning in the field to owning the field you can go from a place of just scraping by spiritually to having authority and dominion in the spirit and God using you in the kingdom of God. You've got to understand there is spiritual inheritance in the house that you only receive that you only receive when you cling to the will of God and you let go of everything else that could possibly be and say, God, wherever you send me, I will die to where I came from. Let's lift our hands for a moment and love the Lord right now all over this place. In the name of Jesus, there is, there's got to be an unconditional unconditional covenant to our calling in this congregation. In the name of Jesus, oh yes, in the name of Jesus. Let's talk to the Lord right now. I'm about done. In Jesus' name, somebody lift up your voice. 
and talk to him right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You know, something interesting I thought about. When the Bible tells the story, and I'm wrapping, I'm just about done. The Bible tells the story about the prodigal son. That he took his inheritance and he went out and he squandered it. Comes back. He's received back. They throw a party. The elder brother comes and says, says, I've been with you all these years and you didn't throw a party for me. The father says, everything I've got is yours. There's, there's a couple of indications and I, and I try not to read too much into a parable and make, you know, there are, there are but understand what I'm saying. This, this applies in the principle is that the elder brother, the reason why he never received a party anytime is that this exposes his lack of relationship with the father. He, he lived in the house. He lived in the house the whole time. did not have enough conversation with his dad to realize he could party anytime. And at the same time, didn't realize that he had not squandered his inheritance and the way that that, that works is the longer he lives, the more it compounds. A few years ago, I tried to get my parents to go spend money on themselves. They won't do it. So now I'm like, now, don't spend nothing. Just save it. You're fine. If you don't listen to me before, don't just, you're doing all right. Because there's a compounding that happens as the years go by. The same thing happens in the spirit with somebody that lives in the house and that serves God. The elder brother got an attitude because his younger brother got a party. But what, what is obvious is he had not squandered his inheritance. But rather, since his brother had left and came back, his inheritance was not only still there, it had compounded to more than his little brother was ever going to have. but because he didn't have relationship with his dad. What a sad thing to live your life in the house wishing he was somewhere else. That's what he was getting at. He was so good. I've been a good son. I didn't even go do all those bad things that I really wanted to do, but I, I stayed here and I, and I checked the boxes and I was a good Christian. I really wanted to be out there doing what my flesh wanted to do, but I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be a good Christian. Those are the type of people that don't know God. Churches are full of good Christians, 
who don't have relationship. The younger brother, while he made a dumb decision, he knew his dad. He knew the character of his father. And when he came to the end of himself, see, it was clear the younger brother had spent time with his father. He had hung out with dad. He had relationship with his father. And when he blew it, he knew, okay, I can go home. Maybe dad will just make me a servant. He knew enough about his father to know that there's a shot of me getting back in the house. And he knew enough about his father to know that, that dad, there, there's, a, there's a chance that he's not going to kill me. And so he comes back and his father says, let's kill the fatted calf. And let's, let's put a robe on him and put a ring on his finger. And, and, and let's restore him to what he was. Let me tell you that when you come back to the house, there, is a ble there are blessings on many levels. But let me tell you tonight that there is inheritance in the house. There's, there's blessing for those that have walked away and come back. And there's inheritance for those that have never walked away at all. God doesn't leave any of his children out. But if you've walked away from God and come back to the house of God, get ready for a party and get ready to be celebrated by your father. But let me tell you, elder brother, let me tell you somebody that's never walked away. There is inheritance that you have in the house. There's inheritance. He restores the younger brother, puts the ring on his finger. What was that? That was authority in the house. That was the ability to make decisions. Boom. Because of how he came back. He came back repentant and just wanted to be a part of that. He didn't come back with an attitude. Came back with humility and brokenness. The elder brother didn't realize how good he had it the whole time. He could have been partying the whole time and had just not got to know his dad. But instead, he just went through the motions, despising where he was. He just went through the motions of being a good son. No relationship. Jonah was a good preacher. But he had an attitude. He knew the attributes of God, but there was a disconnect there. There's got to be a covenant with my calling, an agreement, a love, a love. God can give every single one of us an absolute love for where he has stationed us. Stand with me tonight. No longer will I find negative things to say about where God has called me. But instead, out of our mouth should come things like God's about to do a work in this city. Oh, that other people hear about. Yeah, there are other men that wouldn't want to be in this city because it's, it's not necessarily the easiest assignment. Yeah, there may be taxes that, that take some of our uh, disposable income away. Yeah, it may happen. Oh, yeah, it may happen. But there's going to be blessing that our Heavenly Father pours out on us. 
because we've come into covenant relationship with my calling because I embraced where God sent me and I fell in love with the calling. I fell in love with the fact that God entrusted me to be right here, to be right here, to be right here. Two blocks from the Capitol building, right in the middle of one of the most liberal states in the nation. Right in the middle of it. I'm not at the state line where I can sneak across the state line and get cheaper gas. I don't have that perk. No, there are a lot of perks we won't might we might not have. That you can look at other people that live other places and say, oh, they got it easier. It's easier to live for God there. It's easier to be successful there. There are those of you that are that are in business, that are starting businesses, in business, or your trade because of where we are. There are certain limitations or there are certain things that are negative towards our, our, our income and our jobs because of just the nature of where we are. I can either have outrage or I can outreach. I can either have a spirit that fusses with it and say, God, you gave me a tough assignment because you trust me with it. I can choose how to look at where God has planted me. And I can look at other places and say, well, it's easier to grow there. Or instead, I can bloom right where I'm planted and say, Springfield, Illinois needs an anointed powerful group who have gotten beyond the, the, the disagreements of what we don't like and what makes me upset and what I could fuss with. I can only fuss with the things that I dislike so much to where it weighs my spirit down. I've got to choose. I've got to choose. I mean, Jonah goes into a city of 120,000 people and in three days, in three days, a violent, filthy city puts on sackcloth and ashes and repents before God. Where would God have sent him had he not had a fussing attitude? Where could God have sent him throughout the known world? A prophet anointed of God. Man, I feel angels right now. Where could God have sent him had he stopped arguing with God and say, God, I wouldn't have chosen Nineveh, but you love them too. There needs to be a people of God in Nineveh and I'll go there. I know it's not where I would have chosen, but I submit. It's not where I would have picked had I had my pick, but I'm a soldier. I go where I'm told. I'm a soldier. I go where I'm stationed. I'm a soldier of the cross. God, you can send me. God, I'll go and I'll have a right spirit and I'll have a right attitude and I'll bleed the love of God and I'll pour out the love of God to my neighbors and I'll let the anointing of the Holy Ghost flow out of me. I'll lay hands on the sick. I'll teach Bible studies. I'm not going to talk about the things that I hate about my state or my city or my county or the taxes or the or the politics or all the things that can get my mind wrapped up. God, you 
you sent me here because you believe that I'm powerful enough in your spirit to make a difference in this city. Would you lift up your hands right now and just begin to confess that to God. Start with your words right now. Begin to confess it out of your mouth. God, I'm gonna come into covenant relationship with my calling, with where you have placed me. I'm not gonna despise it. I'm not gonna fuss with you. God, thank you for trusting me with the capital city of Illinois. Let's gather in close right now. I want somebody to help me right now. God wants to do a work and impart some things in our spirit right now. The darkness needs a light. The darkness needs a light. The darkness needs a light. It needs somebody full of the Holy Ghost and full of a right spirit, full of the joy of the Lord in the midst of depression, full of the joy of the Holy Ghost. Why people feel oppressed and they feel like nothing's going right. They've got to look in the face of a believer who says, you got to get under the covering of the Holy Ghost. you got to get under the blessing of God. I know you may not like things, but I am blessed and highly favored of the Lord in a strange land. God, I'm going to come into covenant. I'm going to come into agreement with my calling. I'm going to come into covenant with my calling. In the name, I'm going to quit fussing with you. And God, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to receive and accept the fact this is where you put me. Hallelujah. is going to fill this house. It's going to be full, but it's going to be full because there's a group of people who say, I love my city with the love of God. I love my state with the love that only God can give. I'm going to let the love of God flow through me to my city. I'm going to let the love of God flow through me even though there may be darkness in the land and sin everywhere and things I don't like or agree with. I choose the love of God. I choose to come into covenant relationship with my calling. I choose to come into agreement with where you have sent me because you have a greater purpose for my life. Join hands with somebody right now, saints of God, Pentecostals of Springfield. God has called us. God has called us. God trusts you with a tough assignment. God trusts you with a difficult assignment. God trusts you with a place that, that in, a, in a state that rejects the word of God. God trusts you to take the light of the gospel here. He's going to do it through you. He's going to give you peace. He's going to give you joy. He's going to give you a different outlook on his will. He's going to give you a different outlook on where he has called you. a fresh outlook. In the name of Jesus, let us go forth in the joy of the Lord, knowing
understand that you've called us for a reason and a purpose. You've given us an assignment in the Holy Ghost to reach a lost city that you love, that you love. You love this city. You love this city. You love this city. that's been called of God you're a soldier that has been assigned he gave you a tough assignment Brother Faber said it when he was here life's tough get a helmet there's some things that some bad breaks you get I've got to make a decision either fuss inwardly or I can say God you knew about this all before it happened and God I take this as a compliment that you trusted me to be sent here you could have chose anybody you could have chose anybody but you sent me here so therefore your will is going to be done you are going to fill the house we are going to reach our city. We are going to see explosive revival and harvest in this city because God stationed us here. He sent us to this geographical location. Just like Jonah said, cry against the city for their wickedness. There is a cry in the spirit. But there's something different about people who have said, God, 
not only am I going to be here, but I'm going to die to myself and I'm going to love it. I'm going to love it. Praise God. Let's lift our hands one more time to the Lord right now and love him tonight.